Well, good morning, church. It's fun to be back at ACAC. We have been so kindly hosted this weekend, launched Friday night with a men's event that included ribs that were like really good ribs, like fall off the bone tender ribs. Not that I like ribs, but it was, those were good ribs. <laughs> Glenn Hanna's been a great host, and Glenn launched us last week with this series on Missions Month called The Contested Kingdom. And he explained so well how as the gospel advances, there is opposition that <coughs> there's spiritual forces that are opposed to what we're part of. Today I get to join in telling some of the fun advances of the kingdom that are being made. Let me start with a story. Yoel was a Marxist, communist, atheist living in Castro, Cuba. Lived with his girlfriend. They'd break up from time to time. She'd move out. They'd get back together. One day he came home and some Christians had come by their house and invited her to come to church. For Yoel, this was crazy. Go to church. Those, they, Yoel was proud of his atheism because these are, this is what the intelligent, educated people believed. It was the foolish people, the naive, the uneducated that believed in anything of the supernatural or anything of God. And so he thought it was absolutely ridiculous. And to go to church, why would you do that? But then he had a thought. All the problems in our relationship are her problems. And so maybe the Christians could help her figure out her problems. <laughs> uh, first man to ever have that finger pointing kind of thing. But anyway, um, so he let her go. But then he thought, I better follow along and check up uh, and see what's going on there. And so uh, he came to church and made a mockery of the whole thing. He was ridiculing that they were singing to this unseen being and that they were praying to this person who doesn't exist. He was just making a mockery of the whole thing. Then came the sermon. Then the altar call. Everybody came forward, including his girlfriend. He was standing there in the back alone and thought, well, I can make a mockery of this thing from the front just as easy as I can from the back. And so he went forward, stood by his girlfriend, no interest in responding to Jesus, but just keeping an eye on what was going on. Um, and uh, when a hand <coughs> excuse me, landed on his shoulder... And a voice came to his ear that said, you're making a mockery of me. And besides, your life is a wreck. <laughs> he turned around to look to see who was talking to him. There was nobody there. And he said, besides, my life was a wreck, but nobody in my world would have ever had the guts to tell me that. That day he gave his heart to Christ, realized that there was a divine power that existed, that exists not just as a power, but as a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was pursuing a relationship with him. Within 90 days, Yoel was a pastor of a church. That's not necessarily a good thing, you know. <laughs> but it just shows in Castro, Cuba, how, how desperate there was for Christian leadership. It took Yoel an entire year to get his own Bible. They would pass around pages of a Bible that somebody had, and, and so he'd have a page for the day, but it took him a year to get a Bible in Castro, Cuba. Today, Yoel is the president of the Cuban Christian Missionary Alliance, my peer in Cuba. And praise the Lord. That leads me to point number one, if you're a note taker. Point number one, the gospel of Jesus Christ is life-changing. Amen. The gospel of Jesus Christ is life-changing. Many of us in this room would testify to the fact that the 
the reality of a living Christ who's entered into this world to pay for our sins, to rise from the dead, to give us the hope and freedom of that comes with being a follower of Jesus. That message and truth is life-changing. So point one, the gospel is life-changing. Point two, not everyone has access to that gospel. 2,000 years after Christ, we still live in a world where not everybody has access to that message that, I just, that we just talked that we just celebrated. If you want to do it mathematically, for the half dozen people in the room who happen to like math, <laughs> if you were to knock on a door here in the United States every 15 minutes finding a follower of Jesus, a true disciple of Christ, you'd have to knock on a door every 15 minutes for an hour and a half and you'd find a follower of Jesus. It would vary statistically from Pittsburgh to Punxsutawney, but, but you'd find a follower of Christ generally within an hour and a half. If you did that in Europe, let's go to Spain or Italy, knock on a door every 15 minutes, you'd have to knock for eight hours a day for a day and a half before you'd find your first follower of Christ. But I'm talking about places in the world that do not have access to this Bible, that do not have access to the message. There's not a church that's, that's been formed within their community. Places like the former Soviet Union, the Middle East, North Africa. That if you wanted to find a follower of Christ, were willing to knock on doors for eight hours a day. You'd have to do so for 365 days a year. No vacations, no holidays. For two and a half years before you'd find your first follower of Christ. Sometime early 2021, you'd meet your first Jesus follower. That's mathematically how it works. Let me tell you in a very personal way. That recently, one of the missionaries that you support was having a secret Bible study. A single copy of the Bible was open on her kitchen table, and Muslim women fully garbed came sneaking out of their houses into her house to gather around the copy of Scripture, hoping that they wouldn't get caught. One of the women in the middle of the Bible study interrupted and said, I don't want to embarrass you. You're just learning the Arabic language. You probably don't realize what you just told us, but you just told us that we could be forgiven of everything we've ever done. Certainly I misunderstood your Arabic because that's impossible. No, our missionary said, that, 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 that's, that wasn't a mistake. That's what I tried to say because that's what the gospel says, that forgiveness is available. A completely new thought for this Muslim woman. Friends, we feel like that's a justice issue, that you can live in this world today, 2,000 years after Christ, and still not know that forgiveness is available. Whether you receive it or not, that's your choice. We were not ever forced that kind of decision. But to not know, to not have access to that information, to have your government banning and outlawing this book. I sat with a brother in North Africa just a couple years ago for breakfast. Took him six years to get his hands on one of these. So the truth will set you free, and what some governments don't want are free people. The gospel of Jesus Christ is life-changing. Not everyone has access to that gospel. Point three, good news, you're part of a family that's doing something about that. ACAC, one reason that I was excited to come, it took me two years to respond to Glenn's invitation. Sorry, my friend. But uh, yeah, I, was so I was excited to come because I wanted to stand before this congregation, all four services, and say thank you. 
and to celebrate because you are already showing that you can reach the world from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and you're doing so. You've been engaged in this for your life history as a church. And I'm about to tell you stories from around the world. I'm going to give you this world tour, but I, what I want you to know is these are your stories. This is what you're already part of. Jesus said this gospel of the kingdom, this good news that we've celebrated, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all nations. And when I say nations, don't just think of geopolitical boundaries with some uh, political uh, system. No, no, no. He, he was referring to all peoples, well, whatever, whatever their geopolitical situation, all nations, all peoples, all people groups, all ethnicities, all cultures. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all peoples, and then the end will come. Because heaven is too great and the glory of God is too great to be expressed through one culture alone. Amen? I am so glad that heaven's not just a bunch of Scandinavians. <laughs> it would be a pretty bland place. No, we need every spice, curry. We need every hue. We need every ling linguistic nuance. We need every rhythm and dance. We need it all in heaven to more fully reflect the glory of God. And so Revelation 5 and Revela uh, says that, uh, that there, will be, there will be representatives in heaven from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And this is what we are working on at the moment. We've made huge progress, and I'm going to share some of that progress with you. We've got more work to do, and that's what we're involved in. So you ready for a, a world tour? Let's, uh, let's, let's take you, and it starts right here in the United States with the pastor who got angry. <laughs> He got angry over the immigration issue. I'm in the year 1881, and Dr. Simpson, who was younger than this at the time, he was in his 30s, uh, had led 100 Italian immigrants to Christ in New York City that had just arrived into our country as new arrivals, and he came home to his church, and say, they said, Pastor, that's wonderful that they've come to Jesus, but they can't come to this church. And he resigned the next day. Started uh, taking the gospel to the community, just... Uh, bringing the message of Jesus to, to New York City. Started a missionary magazine, pre-Google, how do you know what God's doing in the world through missions? Well, he put together a missionary magazine that still exists 130 years later as the award-winning Alliance Life, which we're happy to send you a free subscription of if you would like to read more. He started a local church called the Gospel Tabernacle, a half block from Times Square. Sadly, today, that's now Johnny's Pizzeria <laughs> because uh, we gave up the building at a time when we shouldn't have. But 2,000 churches have now been established in the, in the United States because of that launch of that one church, including an American Sign Language Church, a deaf congregation in Salem, Oregon. Those 2,000 churches together in the last 10 years have baptized. No, that's just Ohio State Stadium. We don't care about that. They've baptized 122,000. <laughs> well, we got one in the room. Well, we've, we've baptized 122,000 people in the last decade in these Alliance churches in the United States. We celebrate that. And he also started a missionary training institute that exists today as four different colleges, including Nyack College in New York. The very first graduates uh, were sent out uh, to Africa to launch our, to be our very first missionaries. Uh, in late 1880, early 1880s, John Condit led the team, a 20-year-old man who died 
two weeks after arrival in Africa. His team got discouraged, left shortly thereafter. Only one member remained. A very difficult beginning, but today, in the Democratic Republic of Congo alone, there's over a million followers of Christ, 2.3 million throughout Sub-Saharan Africa, and we rejoice in what God has done. <laughs> Guinea is one of those countries where we helped curb the Ebola crisis, and we've come alongside the grieving to mourn with those who mourn. Gabon, many of you are aware of the, Kucha, excuse me, the Bangalo Hospital, where every patient receives the gospel message. 2,000 people came to faith in Christ last year alone through the Bangalo Hospital. Senegal, we have far more ministries than I can take time to communicate in most of these countries. But one of the ministries in Senegal is to lepers on the streets. Fifteen have come to faith in Christ. Some have been healed. Burkina Faso is one of the poorest countries on the planet where water is an issue. And so we've begun digging wells on church properties so the community can come around to the church, receive clean water, and it gives the church an opportunity to give the water of life as well. Widows are often rejected by their families if they come to faith in Jesus. So we've established a community outreach for widows. And there's an entire geographic section of Burkina Faso that has resisted the gospel for decades. We have other regions where there's many churches, but one band of villages rejected any missionary effort or gospel witness until recently. And now we have almost 50 new church plants established in this region, working together with our national church leaders, where before the gospel was unknown. Mali. What a challenging country with lots of uh, political issues, but there we have, for the last 10 years now, the Kuchala Hospital. This huge investment, ACAC has been part of this. 10-year celebration was joyful, and resulting in 100,000 patients being served, 20,000 babies delivered, 8,000 surgeries, and if you look closely at the picture, that's the very first child who was born at the Kuchala Hospital 10 years ago. Causes for great celebration for the Malian National Church. Cote d'Ivoire, former Ivory Coast, larger than the U.S. Christian Missionary Alliance with 3,000 churches. 6,000 women recently gathered for a women's conference. Took an offering of $3,000 for the persecuted Christians in the Middle East. Asia Pacific, we're jumping across an ocean here now and I'm taking you to a time when a man named Robert Jaffrey walked away from a family fortune, they were, he was heir to a great newspaper chain in Canada, left that behind to start works in places that we now call Indonesia, Vietnam, and China. Even as the Great Depression threatened to stop our work, Jaffrey said this, 1929, do you ask, in view of the terrible economic depression of today, Dare we go forward in these new fields and commence new work? Yea, rather may we ask this. Dare we, in the face of the command of the Lord Jesus and in the face of the encouraging miracles that he's working in our behalf, dare we hesitate for one moment. And so we move forward to places like China where, sadly, we lost over 30 missionary adults and children to martyrdom during various times of crises and tension. But by 1960s, seven or so, we had 18 Alliance churches just in the city of Hong Kong alone, 
And today, today those churches now number 116 that give a significant portion of their income to missions, enabling them to send out 164 missionaries from their churches. Vietnam. During the 1967-68 Tet Offensive, seven of our missionaries were martyred, seeking to bring the gospel to the people of Vietnam. Today, the church numbers more than a million people in Vietnam. 60,000 people came to faith in Christ last year alone in Vietnam. The communists confiscated our property decades ago for uh, various things, including our seminary. Just recently, they gave back one-tenth of the property that we once owned. So if you can't build wide, build high. <laughs> and, and so a dynamic seminary is, uh, is, is meeting. And they're building a 2,500-seat auditorium. Why something so large? Because in Vietnam, a communist land, you can't rent the soccer stadium, the high school auditorium, the civic center. Those are public facilities. You're a church. You can't rent those. But if you want to have a church meeting, build your own church. So, the, so if one person from every Alliance church can attend a conference, they're building this 2,500-seat auditorium. Philippines, what a wonderful country. Uh, we have been ministering there for a long time, primarily in rural areas to start with, but students started to come to Manila to study at the university and said, uh, can, can you, rather than just having your churches in our towns, can you have a church in the capital city as well? And so the Capital City Alliance Church was formed. That church alone planted 35 more churches, and today in, the, in Manila, there's over 100 Alliance churches that are gathering uh, in all sorts of venues and settings. I got to speak at a conference in uh, Manila where the Alliance was uh, celebrating their missions work. These are the missionaries that the Filipino Christian Missionary Alliance is sending, often to countries where we can't get U.S. citizens. Uh, they can get workers. Indonesia, beautiful in every aspect. We have uh, significant work among some of the world's least reached people groups, planting churches, including this church planter, the Indonesian, working with one of our missionaries. And they're tapping coffee cups because coffee has been the means of the church planting effort to begin to establish a, a gospel presence. This entrepreneur started a coffee shop so he can start a church. I don't know if you'd like his coffee or not. I'm not sure. Animals are required in the production of this coffee, and if you don't know about that, consider yourself to be fine. <laughs> yeah. um, Cambodia. Actually, at this moment in Cambodia, there is a rapid spread of the gospel. There is great hunger and eagerness to come to faith in Christ throughout Cambodia. A new translation of the New Testament has just been uh, developed. Laos. It was the Andrianoffs that first brought the gospel to Laos. They were in the most isolated missionary post of all of Indochina. They'd only see their missionary colleagues once a year as they worked with the Hmong people. It was a shaman that first came to faith in Christ. He helped them translate the Bible into Hmong. Today, there's hundreds of thousands of Hmong believers, and this is just one Hmong youth conference. <laughs> Japan. 
we entered into Japan before the Depression, but didn't listen to Jaffrey in this particular instance and withdrew our missionaries from Japan during the Great Depression. Mabel Francis, one of our missionaries, respectfully resigned and stayed in country and was there to welcome us back when we returned at age 87. She received the highest civilian award that can be awarded by the Japanese government for her decades of faithful service to the Japanese people. Still today, less than one half of 1% of Japanese follow Christ. Yet this university student, the guy with the long hair, literally found a Bible in a Tokyo gutter, found an Alliance church because it was close to his favorite pizza place, how else do you find a church? <laughs> and found Jesus in that church and today is studying for ministry. Middle East. It was the Bradens that were our first missionaries to the Middle East. George would travel by camel across the desert to go from city to city, would be arrested on more than one occasion for his work. But today, over 100 churches throughout the Middle East, including Baghdad, Iraq, Jesus is the light of the world is what that sign says at the top of that church. And for birth at a time of war, the Baghdad Alliance Church continues to thrive under Pastor Joseph, who survived a car bomb and God is using him in passionate, mighty ways. Jordan. We had an alliance church that George Braden started uh, that was 50 people after many, many years praying, God, how do we grow? How do we reach more people for Christ? The Syrian war broke out. Hundreds, millions of, of Syrians fleeing uh, their country, and we now have a large community center and church that is ministering to thousands of refugees that have come through, uh, men, women, children, supplies, schooling, 180 Syrian kids are in school uh, because of our work uh, that has been established there in, in that village. Many of you are aware of the Alliance Academy of Jordan. <coughs> Excuse me. We planted a Christian school in a Muslim community. If you have a disabled child and you're a Muslim, it's unlikely that they'll have any educational opportunities and our school has embraced the disabled community and is bringing the gospel there. They, too, are building a larger auditorium so they can have greater gathering. In Amman, Jordan, you have a sister church that is vibrant, uh, fascinating worship, medical clinic, reaching out to the refugees. That uh, Jordan has been one of the largest refugee-receiving countries in the world, <coughs> and, and our alliance family is there to to love and care. Our Portuguese and Spanish-speaking neighbors to the south, we first arrived by use of river routes as roads were almost non-existent. And today, the Peruvian Christian Missionary Alliance is vibrant, sending out 60 missionaries of their own. We have Chinese workers in Peru that your church helps to support. Uh, ministering to the Chinese population of Peru. And, of course, no ministry is complete without a ping-pong table. <laughs> My peer, president of Peruvian Alliance, Mario Rojas, gave me this beautiful gift of a hand-carved chosky, the original ultra-marathon runners who took the message of the Inca Empire to the people. The president gave me this gift saying thank you to the Christian Missionary Alliance for being the first to bring the gospel to our people. 
we challenge you to be, continue to be heralds of the gospel to the world. I cherish that gift on my desk. If you want to suffer for Jesus, you can join us down in the Dominican Republic where we've got all the kinds of ministries taking place, including an envision site and a church plant in Punta Cana. Did you know you've got sister churches in Cuba? During the decade, well, you did, Glenn, thanks. Oh, and you've been here for four services, but all right. Uh, <laughs> did, uh, uh, during the decades when the United States was not welcome in Cuba, our Peruvian and Canadian Alliance brothers and sisters were ministering there. And now 80-some churches are part of that family of churches. If you don't have rhythm before you come, you will by the time you leave. <laughs> and this is my brother, Yoel, the former Marxist atheist communist who now is part of this great family of ours and my peer. And we sign an agreement together. Now that the U.S. has access to Cuba, here are five ways to not mess up the good things that God is doing in Cuba. <laughs> so it's a good agreement. Two of the most resistant to the gospel nations of Latin America are Par Paraguay, where we have a church planting effort, and Uruguay, where in Montevideo there is uh, our university students uh, that we're reaching out to and, and other church plants taking place. All told, throughout Latin America, you can see what has arisen through your generosity and your prayers through the years. And I'm fascinated, 3,700 theological students studying the Bible, theology, ministry, so that they can have greater impact in their nations for the gospel. Some people think that the church in Europe is dead. We beg to differ. Baptisms taking place in Italy, Spain, North African immigrants coming into Spain from Muslim countries. We meet them and provide various uh, means of sharing the gospel with them, including some, some uh, adventure kind of treks. Germany, been a difficult country in recent years for the gospel, but interesting, Spanish people moving to Germany, very open, Spanish-speaking people, uh, very open to the gospel. We've relocated to the north, to the least reached uh, location in Germany for the gospel, planting a church there. Arabic work among Syrian refugees in Berlin. And so the wide variety of work throughout Europe. France, some of you perhaps know about our Genesis Center. All right, right there in, <laughs> right there in Paris, a beautiful center that has a wide variety of outreach opportunities to get to know uh, the Parisians or new arrivals to Paris who are looking for a chance to, to connect and get to know people. Youth retreats of three international churches and the gospel advancing one person at a time. And what I love about this picture is the guy baptizing on the far side with a big gray beard was uh, a recent rock and roll alcohol-addicted uh, non-believer who met one of our missionary team and is now part of the leadership and on the baptizing side for his people that he's reaching for Christ. Kosovo, this man, the father in this picture, was a liberation fighter. He was in the military protecting the freedom of his own country after the war became frustrated that Muslim terrorist recruiters were using the freedom of Kosovo to recruit terrorist fighters. He, I didn't fight for that, he said. And he, he sought to find a Christian pastor, traveled for hours 
to find a Christian pastor, happened to come across one who's connected with our Alliance family, who came to his village and started to preach the gospel. And through this man's influence, there have now been dozens of people baptized, and a brand new expression of the church is rising in a place where it has not before existed. It might seem like a contrast, but at the same time in Kosovo, we introduced occupational therapy. Occupational therapy did not exist in Kosovo before uh, our team arrived, and now it is actually part of the university system, and so it's a way that we've had additional influence. Do you have one more uh, region in you? Are you, you, got, you? You okay? One more region? Russia. Our president at the time, Dr. Rambo, uh, when the uh, Soviet Union was crumbling and the Iron Curtain falling, uh, raised up a whole wave of international workers to bring the gospel to Russia. And today we partner with about 100 churches now that have grown up in that, uh, in that soil. Ukraine has had recent conflicts that have caused more displaced people. There's so many reasons why people are not living in their home of origin at this moment in human history. Well, Ukraine kind of came and went on our news, but it's still the very present reality for so many that have now had to flee. And we are meeting them on the other side to give them the supplies and the love of Jesus uh, that, that they so desperately need. 30 years ago, you couldn't find 10 Christians in all of Mongolia. But today, new openness to the gospel, new opportunity to send missionaries, we have upwards of 30 churches that are now gathering in that very cold <laughs> soil. And Alliance family, you're probably aware that there are certain regions that for political reasons, we can't name specific names. So we have our little code names like Tea House, where a completely unreached people group, previously unreached people group, are now responding to Christ one person at a time. Long Beach in North Africa, same kind of story being told. Green Mountains, well, fabulous places of opportunities to take the gospel where it's not known and not actually uh, welcomed. <laughs> but we need to be going to the most difficult of places on the planet. And like the author of Hebrews, I have not had time to tell you of Angola, Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica, Ecuador, El Salvador, Ghana, Great Britain, Guatemala, Haiti, Honduras, India, Israel, Kenya, Lebanon, Mexico, Myanmar, Nepal, Niger, Panama, or Portugal, South Korea, Taiwan, Thailand, Venezuela, more than a dozen countries we can't name, or Fiji, Finland, New Zealand, Australia, and let's sing it together. Oh, Canada. <laughs> All told, the Alliance family that you are part of now numbers uh, over 6 million believers in 180 languages in 22,000 churches. And AC, AC, I want you to know these are your stories. This is what you have been part of. Not to the glory of a church or a person, but to the glory of Christ who has this long-term plan we're 2,000 years into it, and we still got more work to do, but great progress has been made in this long plan of his insistence that there will be representatives in heaven from every tribe, tongue, language, and people. So this is what we're still part of. 
It's not easy in some places. We get kicked out of some places. We get threatened in other places, but we are in those places because the gospel needs to be in those places. So this is what you're part of, and, and I want to thank you. I want to celebrate. And uh, I want to invite greater participation, obviously. Now, now, I'm not asking you to do something new as a church. I'm just saying that maybe there are certain individuals in the church who are today are realizing for the first time kind of the, I had no idea all that we were part of. And so maybe the prayers need to arise a bit. And maybe you can contribute some of your money towards this, this cause. And maybe you can think, oh, maybe I should look into joining these guys as they go over to Paris and see what the Envision site's all about. There's 22 locations that we can get you for a week, a month, six months, a year, or two years uh, from different residency kind of programs. And it's not just for the 21-year-old doing a gap year, although we would love to have that person. Our oldest intern right now is 80. He's, he's a, a widower who's doing auto body uh, repair training for Muslim young men in Senegal, having the time, time of his life training these young guys how to do auto work while he's sharing the love and gospel of Jesus with them. So, so just be open to what the Spirit is saying to you. Often, frankly, I'm not no, just trying to be materialistic about this, but often it does start with a few dollars from our wallets or checking accounts or estates saying where your money is there, your heart will be also. Those are Jesus' words. And so if we're not investing financially, we're not probably our heart's not there yet, but our money and heart follow. But I'm just saying you're already part of this and you listen to God for what he's saying to you to do during this missions month. One last story, okay? That was resounding. <laughs> One last story, okay? <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, you saw a picture of when I was in the Philippines in this large auditorium, and what you couldn't see in that picture where there were two very large jumbotron screens on each side of the auditorium. Not the kind of screen that has a projection unit shining on it, but the kind of screen that has to be lit up itself and the magnification coming from the screen itself. Um, they had worked flawlessly the entire conference. It was the very last morning of the conference, and the president of our CMA churches asked if I would present uh, some material that I had 17 photos and a video, and it was very dependent upon the screens. And so I arrived, and I noticed the screens were black. I didn't want to be the impatient American, so I just kind of laid low for a little bit. But the worship, teeter, the worship leader started in singing, and he had to do the say the line, sing a line, say the line, sing a line thing because there was no lyrics on the screen. So I'm starting to get a little nervous, and so I asked the tech director guy, hey, what's going on here? And he says, no electricity. I don't know what that means in Manila, but I don't think it's very good news. And I don't know how many volts or the whatever those bad boys need, but I'm pretty sure it's more than a couple of AAA batteries. So, so um, uh, I prayed, and I prayed with my eyes open. And the little flickers of digital nonsense came across the screen, and then it went black again. I was sitting next to a guy from the College of Prayer, and I said to my friend, Don, hey, I need the screens. As you see, they're not working. Would you pray? And so he does this. <laughs> he's rebuking demons. He's got to know all that he's doing. But, but uh, I keep my eyes open, and the whole screen lights up with digital nonsense and then goes black again. I said, well, you got more than I did, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time to preach. I'm standing up there. I'm distracted. Black, 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 black. Oh. Finally, I just stopped. And I said, friends, you've noticed these screens haven't worked the whole morning. 
and I really need them in just a few moments. Would you stop and pray? And a thousand little prayer groups broke in, in the huddles, and they prayed. I'm not claiming I had great faith at that moment. <laughs> I just thought, I need help. Let's get some help. I wish I had my stopwatch going, but I would estimate within three minutes or less, those screens not only lit up, but worked flawlessly the entire rest of the service. No glitch. Now, that's a fun story to tell, but I'm telling it for a very specific purpose. If God had answered my prayer, I would have had a story to tell because I prayed and something cool happened. Or if God had answered Don's in my prayer, we would have had a, co a cool story to tell. But that's rarely the way the kingdom of God advances. In this contested kingdom that this missions conference is a part of, it's rarely through one or two people the hero that does this, or the pastor that does that, or the guy that can write the, the really big check. That, that, yes, everybody is needed, but, but it's, it's, it's everybody that's needed. It's not just a few isolated individuals. The advancement of the kingdom of God throughout the New Testament and throughout world history has been an everybody participation kind of thing. Read your New Testament, Ephesians 2.10. You, y'all, it's a plural, y'all are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for y'all to do. There's something for every one of us. Please, do God a favor and don't tell him how old you are. <laughs> he already knows. It's not an excuse. <laughs> Moses tried it. Others tried it. It doesn't work. Please, don't tell him how, how small your bank account is. He knows your bank account better than you do. Don't tell him what you don't have. Just offer to him what you do have. That's the way the kingdom of God advances. So you know what happened from that story? Everybody prayed. The screens worked. It was about a year and a half later. I was speaking here in the United States. This is pretty recent now. I don't even remember what city I'm in, but a Filipino came running up to me afterwards and said, hey, you remember the time you spoke in Manila? Oh, yeah, I remember it very well. Do you remember when those screens didn't work? Oh, yeah, I remember it real well. And do you remember how we all prayed and then the screens worked? They're still telling the story in Manila because it's their story. <laughs> and I want this to be your story because I want you to have a story to tell as well. Look what we're part of. Look what we're doing. Look what God's doing in this world. So, God is not unjust. I'm now quoting from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you've shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help them. Hebrews 6, 10. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know, you know, and you heard about it today, you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. For there will come a day when there will be representatives in heaven from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. You're part of that. You really can reach the world from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You're proven that. Keep up the good work, ACAC. God bless you.